So, what's up? What's happening? It's the How Long to Beat podcast, so get at me. I am Kerfmurf, the fearless leader of this horrible, disgusting operation. And I have. (laughs) I am the horrible and disgusting leader of this fearless operation. And I have with me again my two co hosts. Hi, I'm Rick. Good insert time of day here. <laughs> I'm Ultimate Zombie Toast. And I guess I don't need to say I'm the token female this time because you didn't say the other thing. I didn't so. hear uh, keeping things fresh, mixing yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, move beyond our catchphrases. We'll find new catchphrases. Why are your ears always so cringy? <laughs> because I'm a terrible person. So. <laughs> I just need a moment. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So, in the interest of keeping things fresh, we are also going to change up our format again, which is becoming a bit of a trend on here. Um, today, we're going to start with a discussion topic. We're going to take a handful of minutes to talk about that. Uh, then we're going to move into an interview, this time with your good buddy Rick. So. We're going to play some more intermission music, and then we're going to come back with our recently beat and currently playing, and finish out with questions from the forums. So, uh, who came up with the discussion topic for this week? That would be me. And yes. the reason is, and this is maybe jumping a little bit ahead, I've been playing a game on the Game Boy Advance called Rebel Star. It might be a good idea to introduce what the discussion topic is. Oh, sorry. I I don't know why I thought you'd already done that. I'm, <laughs> it's late in the UK. I, that's my excuse. That's what I'm sticking with. So the discussion topic this week is turn-based RPGs. So that's your grid-based Final Fantasy Tactics, kind of isometric top-down type game and the one i've been playing recently is rebel star tactical command which is from the mind behind the original XCOM. and if you've played any of the recent XCOM games it really does feel like a demake of those sort of in a pixel format with all of the same enemies and weaponry and tactics you can expect i had a really nice moment where i used a smoke grenade for the first time that was I don't know why I enjoyed it as much as I did, but it made me think of the big console brother and it really, it twigged me for it. But I think I like it more as well because it's handheld. As much as I loved XCOM, I think what hampered my enjoyment of the game a little bit is having to sit down at my computer for a session, however long that is. And I've, I've said on the forum before, I, I quite like handheld gaming and especially with the micro that I have now. It's quite nice just to shove in my pocket, pop out for a level on the bus. And I think tactics games really do lend themselves quite well to that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you guys want to jump in, I've got plenty more, but I don't want to dominate it entirely. So, All right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I know that Toast and I are both Fire Emblem fans. Um, yeah. <clears throat> which would certainly fit into that kind of tactical mold. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've played the advanced Fire Emblem games, it does play quite similarly to them. Right. Um, there was... What's the one with Lin in it? 
That's, that's uh, fire. Blade. Yeah, that's uh, binding blade. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's finding the light, though. Yeah, I played the crap out of that one as a kid. Um, I don't think I ever actually beat it, but yeah, that game meant a whole lot to me growing up. Um, I don't know what it was about it. Like, I, as a kid, I had a lot of difficulty getting into like turn-based RPGs of any sort, whether they were like the tactical, like grid-based stuff, or whether they were, you know, like Final Fantasy, where you have like. You have to basically wait your turn and then press a command and go back and forth and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, like, Fire Emblem just hit the right notes for me. And I'm sitting here trying for the life of me to figure out why. And I don't know if I'm coming up with an answer. What do you think, Toast? That's weird because I honestly, I don't really like turn-based RPGs either, but I, I really like Fire Emblem. Um, weirdly enough, my first Fire Emblem was Fire Emblem Gaiden, which if you know anything about the series, you know that that one was only recently translated to English. It was, um, it's Fire Emblem Echoes. Oh, okay. Um, I ended up playing a Japanese version and that was like my first real Fire Emblem experience was playing the Japanese version, not understanding what's going on <laughs> and just you know, like powering through it. What platform was that on? Sorry. Original Nintendo. Oh, the SNES, the, the NES original. Yeah. Way back when? Yeah. Shit. Okay. I don't know how I got a hold of it. I don't think it was through... Um, I think it might have been through du dubious means. <laughs> Sounds about I right. I don't know how I got a hold of it because it's not something... I think I played it online and I didn't know what it was and somebody just gave me like a link and I don't know. I just played it. Was that like back in the days when there was like a website that hosted like every single Nintendo game? Yeah, there. Um, it was back when I was like maybe ten or eleven, and it was really big to take games and just piecemeal them out into um, like flash games, and that's how I played so many actual like titles <laughs> and got experience with like Japanese. Uh, that, that's how I found my first visual novel too. Was they somebody made a flash game of Galaxy Angel, and I ended up playing it. So that's how I found Fire Emblem as well. Man, that's just something about technology. Like, there are websites that host entire emulators now. Yeah. I think well, most of them have been, like, taken down. Uh, you might have to search for some pretty shady parts of the internet to find them now. But... Yeah, and now Gaiden has a translation, so just buy it. Like, I mean, even though I think they did a terrible job and I hate Echoes. Oh, really? I think it's terrible, honestly. I don't like anything that... Fire Emblem has done past Awakening. I didn't like Fates. I didn't like Echoes either. What about Warriors? Ah, uh, yeah, no. What about Heroes? Y yeah, no. <laughs> you got no more Whatabouts? Well, I mean, those are the only ones that have come out Yeah, there's since only been then. about four titles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could be cheeky and go, what about Smash Bros? That technically... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I really liked the... Um, I don't really think I liked anything past Melee, really. Nah. It's going back slightly to topic, which I know is unusual for me, but <laughs> it, it's weird that you you started with a really old one, just because I know, for me at least, the quality of life stuff that they do in the more recent games in... Let me silence that. With like turn-based RPGs, the more quality of life stuff you've got, the nicer it is to play. For sure. 
especially um, if you're talking about the GBA ones, there's definitely some menu hopping that's a little bit more cumbersome on that platform than it is on PC or on some later handhelds. And I think that can definitely hamper the experience, whether that's... Yeah, but there's something to be said about impulsiveness, where it just, like, you just happen upon it, rather than going out and getting, like, the the, the newest and the greatest version of that game. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I see what you mean there. There's also something to be said for not actively playing what you would admit is one of the worst versions. <laughs> no, original Gaiden is amazing, but the, the new one sucks. Even, like, would you say gameplay-wise, too? How do you, how do they compare gameplay-wise? They certainly tone down the difficulty. She um, says with bitterness in her voice. <laughs> I don't always want my games to hurt me. But with Fire Emblem, they're kind of supposed to. <laughs> but, um... Emotionally and physically. The dungeon crawling... Um, the voice acting really got under my skin. I don't know why. Voice but... acting? Is this... Did you say this was an, an NES game? This is the no, remake is, we're talking about. Echoes, the remake. Oh! It came out right. last year. Right, I'm with you. What was it remade on? Was it just like a... a no, it was a, re- it was a remake of um, Gaiden, which is the NES game. Right, and what was it released on? What was the remake released on? 3DS. Yeah, and right. it was an official, okay. official Nintendo remake. Oh, is this remake. the one that they split into two? Is this the? I'm no, that's Fates. You are a fool, Rick. Uh, you know it nothing. Was Fire Emblem is a gap in my knowledge. <laughs> a little bit. Bearing yeah. in mind, the only one I've played is the GBA one, and the only bit I've beaten is the first ten missions with Lynn, or as my brother calls it, the tutorial. So. <laughs> yeah, I think the tutorial. I think what I'm, th- I've been thinking a little bit about why I like Fire Emblem compared to like other turn-based RPGs, and I think the answer that I'm coming up with is that like, you really are in control of just about everything except for you know the random percentages, obviously, but like, <clears throat> excuse me, I really like that, you know you can control anywhere you want to send your units and you can kind of manipulate like how you're going to kite the enemies towards you uh, Mm. based on like where you place your units and stuff. And if you want to enter a battle, it's going to give you like basically your chances before you even press the button to execute it. And I think like with other uh turn-based rpgs it's a little more difficult for me to get invested in them because like i don't know i i guess i just like having those numbers in front of me to tell you you got a good shot buddy you can pull this off whereas i I don't like just a shot in the dark sort of thing and i like the animations that it does when you're actually like killing them oh hell yeah and it, it's always done that. It's always done at least some sort of animation s- since the beginning, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the other, like, I haven't really played many other, but I know I played Final Fantasy Tactics, and it just wasn't the same as Fire Emblem. Is that War of the Lions? 
Oh no, I played the I think it was the GBA one and I can't remember. Was that Tactics Advance? Advance? Yeah, that's It tactics. wasn't bad. It's just it wasn't it it didn't have like the complexity that I'd need and I don't think that the um it it, it throws a lot of unneeded stuff at you, so it makes it not so fun. A two is a lot better. Tactics Advance was a bit hit and miss. I've not played much of it, but I did spend about 100 plus hours on A2, more or less 100%ing it. I think that one, though, is a bit rather than. Uh, in fact, actually, that one probably would suit your taste a little bit better because it's very much about min maxing. So when you. And it's the same for the original tactics. When you give someone a job role, they have the job they're in, and you can also equip a secondary. Um, set of abilities to them. So, for example, if you train someone as a white mage and then you make them a ninja, you can still have them cast <laughs> Cure and Cure and Cure Aga. Sorry, just the also... idea of a white mage becoming a ninja is very yeah, funny to me. Bit, bit right. It was you... kind of weird about that is I actually, I hate math and um, I don't like thinking about stats. It's it's weird because Fire Emblem was one of those things where I went out of my way to do it, even though I hate math. <laughs> I mean, there's not much kind of sums-wise to do with it. It's more a case of you use something enough times, it becomes set as a skill you can use when you've not got the job. Wait, wait a second. You're saying we're talking about, like, tactics games, right? Yeah. Isn't, like, one of your favorite game series Disgaea? Yes. Well, what I've played of it, I still haven't beat any of them. <laughs> Why do you have a pretty as your uh, your freaking icon if you if you haven't like finished any of them? Yeah, well, that's the um, they did a PSP spin-off series. They're these balls to the wall side scrollers, and you play as one. Was oh, that okay. Dawn of Operation Panties, dude? I think that might be the sequel, but yes, oh, you're okay. thinking of the same one. Uh, the story's nuts, but then it is for all of those games. But the gameplay is perfection. <laughs> Really, I guess really if it's um, Disgaea, then I would say I like tactics games. Just because yeah, Disgaea mean, pulls them off. And the humour in that game can carry it through as well. I think, especially with that type of game, more maybe than actions, another one, because you're strategizing and you're moving everyone around, you get more invested in the story anyway. Because you... I don't know, maybe that's just me. I mean, I remembered liking Disgaea, but I never got very far in it because I was just playing my brother's copy and I was like, no bigger than an ear of corn. So, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to replay those games at some point. Would that have been on the PS2 then? Would you have played it in its original incarnation? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, I guess. If you can find a copy on the DS or the PSP, I, it really is the kind of game you want to be able to play for 20 minutes and then shut the lid or sink the console. It's really and come back good to. for it. That's um, what I played it on, and it was the best. I played it on DS, or I, I started to play it on DS, rather. I do need to get back to it. Uh, but I have the sequel on PSP because that's the only other place it is. And then I have number three waiting on the Vita. So many games. <laughs> five, but I haven't opened it. <clears throat> What, for... Um, the Switch. Yeah, I feel like that's another great place to play a Disgaea game. Just... Um, I, w I really wanted it for Steam because it would have achievements, but um, <laughs> it was bought for me, so I'm like, oh, well, I can't really, you know, spit on this because it, it was a gift. You haven't opened it, though, so you haven't exactly used it. 
<laughs> you may as well have got it on Steam. Is it on Steam? I don't know the first one is. Uh, n- no, it was on, um, no, never mind. It wasn't on Steam, but it was on PS4. Yes, that's right. So it would have um, trophies, which I like. I like getting things for playing games. Didn't That's they re-release the first right? two on Steam or something? Um, I know number three. one is. I'm not oh, sure yeah. about two. I don't know about that. Uh, yes, two is on there as well. Um, Fancy schmancy. As is Lost Dimension. That's not. It's not grid based, but that's another great turn based strategy. Um, I didn't play it on PC. I played it on again Vita, but that one's phenomenal. Uh, that's more. That's a little bit like Valkyria Chronicles, actually. Where ooh, there's a good game. Yeah, that one's yeah. really good. Yeah, it's it's like that, but if you imagine without the thing where, as long as you're moving your character, everybody else is shooting at you. So <laughs> it's a similar kind of thing where you've got an action point bar, and you can move your three D character in a three D space, and use their abilities until that bar runs out. But it also has a really interesting story, and it does a lot of unique stuff with the party mechanics and moving abilities around. That, And it's only... I think I beat it in, like, 15 hours. Let me have a look. It really is sort of designed for you to be able to smash a playthrough of it in its entirety out in a day and then be able to come back to it. Let me have a look. So I think I, I, think I polished it quite quickly, thinking back. Um, XCOM was another one I wanted to talk about, especially as it relates to what I've been playing. Have either of you played any of the the new XCOM games? Mm-mm. No, I didn't even know that they were um, like strategy RPG. I've played a little bit of Mario and Rabbids, which is basically an XCOM game. That's an XCOM reskin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes the cover system, everything. I don't know how they haven't been sued. <laughs> because it's Nintendo. That probably Nintendo helps. does the suing. They don't get sued. I'm sorry, yeah, Nintendo. Well, I love you. Don't sue us. Why should you love them? They're a corporation. They want your money. That is so fair. That is so true. <laughs> I, I love Nintendo, too. There's, there's certain things that you wish you could repay, and Nintendo is, like, one of those. Even though mm. they're a corporation and they're, like, a faceless hunk of, like, metal. Stole all still... of the words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, slight sidetrack but I've never understood the whole brand loyalty but if they make something you like buy it and they'll make more of it if you don't, don't say ah but I love you Nintendo like, don't buy it because if it's not what you want if you put your money towards it you're, you're skewing the market because you're telling them that that's what they should keep on doing yeah I, I, I definitely get that I think that I can kind of justify it from time to time just because, like, with Nintendo, some of the developers, like, actually put their faces out there. Um, like, I mean, look at Sakurai and Miyamoto and Iwata. Like, those guys were always at the forefront of Nintendo, like, You saying, can identify with them because yeah, they're there. Yeah, and you could really tell, like, how much passion they had for their games And it's like, you know what? I want to support these people. So if I have to give my money to this evil corporate conglomerate, then I'll do that to make sure that they can live happy lives. Well, hey, you said evil. I didn't say evil. You said (laughs) But I don't have brand loyalty. I have, like, said ten times that I hate the Wii. 
And that's like their biggest thing. <laughs> Do you know what? Controversial opinion. I thought the Wii was quite a good system. That's because you're, you're British. What's that got to do? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. The Wii mode complimented a cup of tea perfectly. I mean, what do you want? I just thought, wanted to be racist, but I didn't know where I was going with it. <laughs> Man, these controversial opinions are usually safe for the sound. That's a bit of an inside baseball for you guys at home. <laughs> these two say the most awful things in our sound checks and someday i'm gonna release those sound checks and expose them for someday the awful people they are is gonna be found dead with a load of ripped apart hard drives is all <laughs> I think. oh, oh what were we We've talking about <laughs> uh tactical rpgs and brand loyalty right and xcom and xcom it all comes down to xcom it is, in terms of the last five or six years, it is the best strategy game that's been made, hands down. I stand by that. Um, probably before that, Tactics Over on the PSP is really, really good if you want something more on the go. But XCOM, I, I think... I started to play that one. It helps on the sucker for pixel graphics. And I also think that the systems that they've done are a little bit more readily understandable than Final Fantasy Tactics. So I've tried to get into that three or four times. I bought it digitally, and then I bought the bloody physical copy because I wanted the manual, because I couldn't make head and the tail of the most obtuse set of instructions that they've got in the game itself. <laughs> but I can't get my head around it. They, I don't know if it's a slow start. I don't know if it's the story not speaking to me because of the slow start. I don't know if it's anything mechanically, but I just can't get, get into it. But XCOM and Tactics Ogre, I think they're nice because really do um, they have some flexibility in terms of you as a player so i mean i remember my issue with final fantasy tactics being that it just felt like the missions didn't really have any design behind them for lack of a better word i mean yeah. I'd, I'd look at like fire emblem and advance wars which we haven't talked about and, like, each of those scenarios really feels like a scenario. Like, there's all sorts of different, like, rules, typically. There are all sorts of, like, different terrain and stuff. You really have to, like, think about it. And there's a story. There are characters that you feel things about. Whereas in Tactics, it kind of just felt like, go to this place that is literally just a grid with, you know, barely any sort of terrain pixels on it. And you have to just shoot an arrow or throw a snowball. The snowball tutorial was great. In fairness, it does look like there's a really interesting buried in there somewhere. But thinking back, I think my biggest problem actually, just to go back on most of the things I've said, is how much babysitting you have to do in that game. Early days, there are quite a few scenarios, at least up until the point where I inevitably give up every time I go back to it and try again, where you have a computer-controlled character and they just fuck with everything you're trying to do strategy-wise. It's like, well, <laughs> why am I playing a strategy game if the computer's just going to give me the bird? But I don't know. Whereas XCOM and Advance Wars probably and Tactics Ogre and the Disguise games, they're really good in that they give everything to you and sort of say, work it out, make it happen. Especially XCOM. And XCOM sort of layers things 
bit by bit, and it's really, really accessible. Um, so I, I think that's that's probably my pick if anyone's listening and they've never played a strategy game, they're not really sure what to do. Start with XCOM. It's really cheap. It's like, watch for Enemy Within, maybe a tenner on Steam, wait until the sale, pick it up on a sale. It's really, really good. I feel like I do this about a different game every podcast. Like, there's a game. Yeah, yeah it's really you do. Good. Play the game. Sorry? You, you 100% do. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you guys haven't listened to me and bought Deadpool, A, shame on you, and B, buy Deadpool. <laughs> All right, so with that, does anybody else, does anybody else have anything to add about turn-based tactical RPGs? Other than the people at home adding XCOM and or Deadbolt to their baskets of choice. Yeah, I'm also gonna... We didn't really touch on it that much, but I'm definitely gonna recommend Advance Wars. Um, I Which like one, that. then? Well, I've only played the first one. Okay. So that's the only one I can fairly recommend. Um, but I just really like that because you have, on most maps, a theoretically infinite amount of resources. So you can on most of them just keep like butting your head against the enemy until eventually something works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, is always a tactic. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is also in some of the fire emblem games is the fog of war mechanic, but yeah, yeah. The less said about that, the better it's, I sort of get it. And it definitely, I think you could scum the game a lot more if you could see everything from the art. But equally, you can get screwed over a little bit if you're working really well and then suddenly there's an alien or an enemy missile launcher or something like that that's just been sat there waiting and you only found out when it was too late and you'd already sort of made your move. Yeah. So it's I think it's something you sort of have to contend with in that genre. But... All right. Well, cool beans. Good discussion. So, with that out of the way, we will go ahead and move on to our interview with ya boy, Ricolas. That's me, lay it on. <laughs> Alright, so once again, we have ten questions for you, and I guess we'll just alternate on them. Um, so, I think I'll go first. Uh, first question, which video game character are you most like? <sighs> Now that's a question. Why don't I come back to that one? Let me have a, a think in the back of my head. Give me the next question. Come back. Okay, just know you can't do that to every question. <laughs> to be your, your <laughs> my plan's been foiled. <laughs> okay, how did you first get into video games? I'm just going to reuse mine, so. Yeah, that's fine. So my cousin got an original Game Boy, one of the yellow bricks, with wave racer got bored of it i got it and between wave racer and the first was it super mario land yes it was between those two and the game boy that was me hooked i got a game boy advance soon after one of the wide black ones and spent the first few weeks playing harry potter in the chamber of secrets not realizing (laughs) that i had trigger buttons (laughs) <laughs> and there was a puzzle. I was literally stuck on this puzzle for a week because I didn't realize that I had to use one of the triggers for something. So we all start somewhere, folks. We all start somewhere. 
Yeah, your uh, your obsession with handhelds is suddenly making a lot more sense. Yeah, well, my parents were quite strict as well in terms of you only get 20 minutes or so and then go and read a book or play outside or something. So with a handheld, it's much easier to sort of take it back. So I, I think that's maybe the rationale behind them. But for me with handhelds, and I hope I'm not preempting questions, um, I quite like being able to sort of take it downstairs, put some food in the oven, play while I'm waiting, come back up, kind of lozenge on my bed and be playing with it, lay down, and then maybe bring it to my desk, do a bit of work and just pick it up and down as and when. I like the flexibility. But that's just me. Cool. I guess that makes sense, but the battery never lasts long enough for me to be happy. See, I've no, I've never really had that problem. Especially a lot of my kind of formative gaming years were spent on the DS, and that thing's got the battery, the battery life on that thing's mad. Like you get ten, twelve hours out of it. That's more than enough for a couple of days. Yeah, the um. The silence says you guys disagree, but well. I don't, I'm trying to remember the DS battery life because the only thing I have to compare it to currently is the 3DS battery life, which is not excellent. Yeah, I've heard mixed to negative things about that. But I mean, I mean, it's pretty good, but. It's yeah, it, good. it's like okay if you have the backlight turned down pretty low. Fair. And I suppose if you don't use 3D as well, that might yeah. be good. And mm. honestly, who uses 3D on the 3DS? To be fair, the times I've used it, I've quite liked it. I played Super Mario 3D Land, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I played that all the way through with 3D on, and I thought it was it was really nice. I, I get that I'm in the minority, but I quite I, liked... No, I agree. There's a few games that really benefit from it. Like, Ocarina looks phenomenal with it, and then Monster Hunter, if you can stand it on 3D, is really good. If indeed you can stand Monster Hunter at all, don't kill me. <laughs> I wish you could fired. see the face that Toaster's just pulled at me. All right, if well, you imagine, actually, I can I can put it into words. If you know the two dramatic masks, the happy one and the anguish-filled one, Toaster's <laughs> face was the latter. That is a very good description. Well, thank you. I do try. On to the next question. Uh huh. If you could wipe one game or series out of existence entirely. What would it be? And keep in mind, that means it never existed. Everyone Ooh. forgets about it. No one remembers it. Maybe it's a touch redundant, but Devil's Third. Because everyone forgot about that anyway. Devil's Food? Devil's, Devil's Third. Food. <laughs> See, now that I play the Cookie Devil's Mama spin-off food. where you've got Satan satiated. <laughs> I'd be all about that. I just imagine like a fat like red man and he's just like mmm and he's like about like uh, It's like a no. WarioWare game or something. Yeah, and you have to like uh with the whole um the never mind. I forgot what I was gonna <laughs> say. But yeah, that I feel like that should have died to death. <laughs> Alright, good answer. Uh, go on, what's the next question? Keep it going. Okay dokie. Uh, if you had a one choice for a game everyone should play, what would it be and why? Hmm. Everyone, even people who've like never played games. Yeah. Okay, so it's got to be relatively accessible, I guess. Then. 
or well, something that you just want everyone to experience. Yeah, I'm gonna, if to suck yeah. it up and play it. I'm gonna say Ghost Trick. Hey, I feel like even if you've never touched a game, the gameplay is intuitive enough and the story is compelling enough that you would have a good time with it. I feel like you could give anyone that game and they would beat it and enjoy it. Pretty soon, I think we're going to have to rebrand from the How Long to Beat uh, podcast to the Ghost Trick and Ropa Appreciation podcast. Yeah, that's probably fair. It seems like that's most of what we talk about. Yeah, maybe it's a secondary pick. Bearing in mind, I'm just going through my completions trying to think which video video game character actually might match me. I've just seen Metroid Other M, which controversially I quite enjoyed. And I feel like if everyone was made to play that game, they might realise that the story's pish. I, the story is clearly pish, <laughs> but the gameplay's good. That's my hill, and I've chosen to die on it. Why play a game just for gameplay? Really? Yeah. Like, 100%, why play a game if the story's bad, if it's just got great gameplay? I, I see no purpose. Why does anyone play PUBG? It's not for the compelling narrative. Yeah, but those people I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess the other question could be, like, why play, like, Scrabble? Or why play, like, a card game or something? Like, that is solely for it's the It's because gameplay. most of those people need a life. <laughs> Your claws have been out all night tonight. <laughs> I'm tired, and I'm, like, cranky, so I'm going <laughs> all I want. I I stand by it. I'm firmly of the opinion that if a game's mechanics can carry it, the story doesn't matter. As much as I love a good story, if the mechanics are good enough, you don't need a good story. I guess, I I think, this is interesting because you guys are like polar opposites and I think I fall in the middle somewhere where like... That's quite convenient. (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, I guess totally taking over your interview. uh, (laughs) No, go ahead. Like, there are... I mean, there are certain games where, like, I can look past a bad plot for good gameplay, uh, Fire Emblem Fates, and then there are games where there is, like, a really good plot with bad gameplay, and I can also overlook the bad gameplay, uh, like, Deadly Premonition, for example. But, like, I really... Optimally, I like games that have both, and I think most people enjoy that the most. Yeah, if you can have both, get both. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, if I had to pick between the two, I would take the gameplay. And if I want a story, I'll read a book. <laughs> I. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a little bit blunt, but I stand by. All right. Uh, moving right along. Since you asked me about my redhead status last week... I did. I'm going to ask... What is the most stereotypically British thing you have ever said or done? Um, stereotypically British. Well, I might answer a slightly different question. So, in terms of British stuff, we have had a little bit of snow the past week. And the most stereotypically British thing i've ever experienced is at the first sign of white on the floor everything in britain grinds to a standstill everything (laughs) the buses stop going the trains stop going meetings that have been set for weeks in advance get cancelled there's a national thing i don't know 
it's weird because I suppose for you guys as Americans, there are a lot of things that we don't see as British, but then we do them and you go, oh, my God, that's so British. <laughs> that was a bad accent. Yeah, you Is can pull those eyebrows. That was a bad accent. We sound like I'm not good at accents. But I've got some Italian family as well. And the most Italian thing I've seen was in Venice. So you've got this this Italian businessman in a suit, and he's walking over one of the canals, and he's on the phone. So he's got his phone in his right hand, briefcase in his left, and he's getting angrier and angrier down this phone to the point that he stops, puts the briefcase down, switches phone hands so that he can gesticulate with his right hand at the person <laughs> down the phone. And unfortunately, that doesn't translate quite as well on audio as it does on video. But if you imagine the Italian pinching gesture... <laughs> and then put that into the picture. I think it all sort of comes together. I am a big fan of that. Wow, you and me, babe. It, uh, I literally creased up at the time. I don't, don't know how he didn't turn around and start just... Uh, <laughs> but yeah. God, I'm, you can keep going with the questions. I'm still racking my brain. as to. Okay, you're going to pull that trick again. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite game of all time? Ooh. Mechanically, probably Rocket League. I feel like I'm going to play that game and die, but realistically, mm. there are a few. There are a few kind of standouts where, depending on how I'm feeling on a given day, that would be the one. I think that's the case for most people who game in any serious way. So the three that jump out to me immediately, just because they're the three that I've played, are Mirror Master the Demon Blade, or at least the PS Vita version. Because I know Toast has said that the Wii version is utter trash. I, I wouldn't know. But the game itself is phenomenal. Deadbolt, by Deadbolt. Please buy Deadbolt. It's phenomenal. And the last story for the Wii. Best RPG I've ever played. Perfect in every sense. That is the only one of the Operation Rainfall games that I have not played. And you need to fix that as a matter of priority. I gotta get my grubby paws on it. You have. You have. And the, the Wii's region free, I think. The original Wii? Nah. But they did... Oh, is it not? Oh, it's not region free, but Operation Rainfall, they brought... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, they got Xenoblade Chronicles, Pandora's Tower, and Last Story, so... Yeah, I'm, the only reason I say it is because I don't know what quantities you got them in. Oh, so I know that, good point. It's relatively easy to get hold of on this side of the pond. Well, let me see. It's Gamefly availability. Shout. Uh, and in the meantime, while I'm still desperately trying to work out which character I am, do you want to throw the next question at me, Dave? Uh, I think it's my question. Um, yeah, it is. Which other? All right. So, uh, before we started recording, I looked through your completions, and uh, I found all of your 10 out of 10 scores. And okay. so I picked three games of those 10 out of 10s, and I'm going to ask mm -hmm. Kiss, Mary, Kill. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Okay. Castlevania, Ari of Sorrow. Metroid Smashing Fusion game. and game. The Swapper. So Kiss Mary Kill. Yep. 
I am going to kiss the Swapper. I'm going to marry <laughs> Castlevania, and I'm going to kill Metroid Fusion. Wow, that was quick. Yeah. What um, you got against Metroid Fusion for somebody who gave it ten out of ten? I was going to say that's a good question. What have I got against that ten out of ten game? Um, <laughs> <I just> think <laughs> it was definitely the one I beat the quickest, or it felt the quickest to beat. Um, and of the three of them, I feel like it's the one I'm leaving to go back to. The Swapper, I, I bought it again physically on the Vita just so I used to play it again. And Castlevania, I feel like those games, the, there's a couple of sketchy ones, but certainly the Egervania ones, you can just go back to and play again and again. Like There's, there's really so much there to rediscover. So I think I could have a long and happy marriage. <laughs> I think we could all have a very long and happy marriage with any Castlevania game, really. Well, there was that one on the Wii. I don't remember that one. I Castle, I think it was called Castlevania Judgment. It was like a one-on-one. It got panned. <laughs> this was back in the days when I used to read the gaming magazine. 25% from the official Nintendo one. Which is when you know that it's not doing very well. <laughs> have you guys Ooh, seen what? the... Sorry to derail again, but have you guys watched the Castlevania Netflix series? I haven't. Is it any good? Oh, it's incredible. Huh. I'm not to jump back on it. Oh, I love it so much. Hmm. My sister said it was good, too. Yeah. Yeah. The animation on it is just impeccable. Uh-huh. And... I mean, it's just buff boys fighting vampires. What more could you want? Touche. <laughs> All right, uh, I think it's your question, Toast. Oh, yeah. Um, What are series that you follow religiously? Series that I follow religiously? <laughs> See, I don't think there actually are any. Maybe arguably the Egovanias, but then I came to them they actually had released. I think it was a couple of years after Ecclesia came out before I bought that, and I sort of ended up picking them up in reverse order. I think it's more a case of me following developers, to be honest. It's a question of if I like your output, then I'm going to jump in and try well, your mean, stuff. You can change it to developers if you want. That's sort essentially the same thing. <laughs> I'm making a little segue. So Vanillaware at the moment definitely are. I mentioned Muramasa. Um, I loved Dragon's Crown when I played that. I'm still cracking through Sphere, and I think that actually might just be tipping its way above Muramasa for me. I quite like, as we mentioned, I think, in the first podcast, I like how its combat is a little bit more varied and a little bit better. And Muramasa is phenomenal, but it's very much built around a skill ceiling. So you really do have to juggle which weapons you're using, cycling them in and out. You have three ba- blades equipped, but they have an energy meter that sort of refills over time. A little bit like you might have in Marvel versus Capcom, where the health slowly refills when you're not using that character. So it's all about building the combos and switching in and out at the right time. Whereas in Odin's Sphere, there's much more of a focus on um, expendable items, using skills and abilities but from an options menu that pauses the game so it feels a lot more tactical 
and you have a lot more movement space to sort of range out your enemies and do things. I think I like that a little bit more. The story's a bit better as well, in fairness. So Vanilla Hour 1, I can't wait for that. Is it 13th Sentinel, the new game they're doing? Really excited for that. Looks pretty dope. Um, who else? Firaxis. So they're the, the XCOM devs. I'm waiting for number two to come out. Who else? Uh, Hoppo Games, or however you pronounce it. So they did Deadbolt. They also did Risk of Rain. And they're making a sequel to Risk of Rain now, which is going to be 3D. And I've been following all the updates on that. I'm really keen and excited for that. But it's, it's like I was saying a little bit earlier. I think if the game looks good, I'll pick it up. And so it follows from that that if you're a developer that's consistently like, I'm going to keep an eye and I'm probably going to be more inclined to support something if it looks more up my alley. So would you say that you have brand loyalty to those developers? I would not. I would say that <laughs> I I recognize good work and reputation. I'm not loyal. If if something looks like it might not be for me, I'll probably wait for the reviews or wait for a sale, and then maybe I have to use a Steam re- refund. But it, it's not a case of if you're a developer I like, it's going to be a day one purchase automatic. And I think that's what brand loyalty really means. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, next question. Have you mm-hmm. ever been in a fight before, and how badly did you lose? Well, that's an out there question. <laughs> um, without giving too much away, obviously you get scuffles in school and whatever. The answer is yes, once, and I walked away a lot better than he did. <laughs> Where did that question come from? Just out of curiosity. It seems a bit left fieldy. Yeah, I just, uh, I wanted to get to know the real you in okay. all angles. And nice segue. I finally worked out which character I am. And this is a bit of a cheat because it's from Poker Night at the Inventory, which isn't really the game. <laughs> but it is Max, as in Sam and Max. Oh as my god. The little bunny rabbit. I feel like we've got the same sense of humor. And oh my god, yeah. it's so eerily accurate. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. Probably a similar set of vocabulary as well. <laughs> I do need to play those games. You know, They've been weird. on my radar for a while. I was actually thinking about, you know, because I was playing Animal Crossing yesterday. And I was like looking at, um, do any of you play Animal Crossing? Yeah, I played the DS one religiously for about three. Um, months. There's an elk character, and his name is Bo. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is Kerf Murph. because it's like <laughs> the ginger, and it's got like it's little elky, and it's kind of like." Oh man! All right, I'm googling this fella. <laughs> oh, he's he's a cute little elk, so it's not like he's anything bad, but he's pretty much you, and he's all just like, "Hey, listen to Toast backpedaling already." Hear <laughs> me. Oh, this is a cutie. Yeah, isn't he, though? His little... And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I can't find Rick. And I was just like, maybe, like, Puck or something? His Animal like... Crossing wiki page has the quote, You snooze, you lose. <laughs> and That's it sounds great. perfect in your voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What a right, cool dude. Okay. How many questions have I got left? 
I think just uh, one. Yeah, and I think it's just what are your hobbies outside of gaming? Ooh, okay. Excuse me. So I quite like reading. Um, I like sports. I'm still coming back from an injury, so that's sort of slow going at the minute. But love playing football, rugby, some more obscure ones. Squash I love. That's a really great workout. Toast is getting halfway to the dramatic face again. What's, what's your beef with squash? That's such a British What's your word. beef with squash is a great phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? Sorry, what did you say? It's Toast? such a British sport. Is it? Yeah, it is. We don't we don't do squash. We don't do rugby here. Yeah, I mean, you have pretend football, so you don't really need I Yeah, I said it. I said it. We have American football and it's it's Yeah, pretend it's, football. It is what it is. I quite like American football. I think it's... Oh, don't get me wrong. I love it. I watch the Super Bowl every year, but it's not football. It just isn't. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise, which is probably a dangerous claim to make against a country of 350 million. But I said it. So, so yeah, I mean, the main two are reading and sports. Music as well. I, uh, I play the guitar. Not very well, but I enjoy it. I enjoy listening to music, going and seeing bands. Uh, let me see. Follow-up question. Uh, what kind of books do you like and what kind of music do you like? Sweet. So I quite like philosophical books uh, and stories. So in America, do you guys have those little penguin classics? They're like little black books. Yeah. They're a pound. Yes, we do. Same thing as the game where I love picking one up and reading it. On- so at the moment I am reading an Edgar Allan Poe one, which if I just look up at my desk and see what it's called. Um, a murder detective. It's like the progenitor of the um, the Sherlock Holmes type thing. So it's all, it's about a, a closed room murder in 19th century France. But short stories like that. In terms of music, I listen to a bit of everything, but I lean toward metal. Metal music? So, sorry? Metal music, really? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, for the audience's sake, architects, counterparts. Um, God, who else? Um, Under Oath, Beartooth, bands like that. Um, four Years Strong, great one. Wonder Years, I've seen them. So yeah, any of those are all great. Yeah, I, I don't know any of those. I I would not have initially pegged you for a metalhead, but you know it's making more sense throughout the course of this interview. Now, what does that mean? Which part <laughs> <laughs> that I would not have pegged oh. you as a metalhead, or that I now see it coming out? Let's try both. Go for go for <laughs> A then B. Um, the first part is was just kind of a gut instinct, I guess. Uh, but the second part. After describing yourself as Max from Sam and Max, who is like the embodiment of metal, it definitely makes sense. How terribly presumptuous of you. It's 2018. Honestly. Yeah. No metal prejudice in 2018. No prejudice whatsoever. Hashtag me too. That might have <laughs> been. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing is, I love the music. I don't necessarily... 
like the aesthetic, if that makes sense. All the, like, doom and gloom and, like, the... Yeah, and long hair and... Maybe that's a bit stereotypical, but do you know what I mean? Like, unwashed. Um, now who's showing prejudice? Yeah, well... It's I've been to a lot of gigs, now. unfortunately, it's worn out, so... Uh, I, I like the music. I don't necessarily to advertise it in my dress and my sense of style and the way I speak and things like that that I'm into. I don't think that is a good way to go about things. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Rick, for the interview. It was very enlightening. <laughs> That's probably fair. That's the, the kindest way you could have put it. Thank you. I choose my words carefully. So, with that, we are going to go ahead and select a nice little jingle jangle to play for you, and we will catch up with you afterwards. Now, here's a remix of the Clock Tower theme from Castlevania Aria of Sorrow by Rise and courtesy of ocremix.org.
Okie dokie, we are back, and uh, now it is the time of the podcast where we are going to talk about the things we have been playing recently, and any games that we have recently completed. So who wants to start? Well, you guys go first. I've basically had the floor to myself for the past hour, so... Okay, I will go ahead and start then. So, I have not had a lot of time to really play games recently, uh, because I... Well, I was in New York visiting my sister. I saw the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. It was pretty great. Don't give me groaning faces, guys. It was, you know, it, 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 was, it was pretty good. I'm annoyed at myself. I meant to interrogate you as soon as we started recording, and I completely <laughs> It on. was a great time. It was a blast. It was a joy and a half. Um... But being up there and visiting her, I didn't have a lot of time to play games, but uh, in the past two weeks, I have had enough time to finish uh, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. What a game. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> okay, so look, I, I like it. But. I do like it. <laughs> but. Let me, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> Let me start from the beginning. So, I really liked it when I started it, um, because the way that, like, the cutscenes are set up, I really enjoy. I like that the cutscenes actually feel like they're directed, like they're actually scripted and directed and everything, and I think that a lot of times in Legend of Zelda games, it can just feel like you're watching, you know, just events unfold. Whereas there's yeah. actually heart and there's, you know, interesting things going on in these cutscenes. I liked that. I liked the character designs. I liked the world itself. Now, what I'm going to say is not particularly controversial because half of the people who played the game have this opinion. The train, while interesting as a mechanic, is not executed well at all and it really bums me out that so much of the overworld is just blocked off because you can literally only progress along the train tracks so yeah. I mean you have a little you have options about like turning which way you want to go and stuff but I mean you are literally confined by the train tracks and the actual like villages and stuff are small and don't have much going on in them. I never really felt the urge to do side quests um, because actually like getting to the places to have to do them was such a pain that I didn't really feel motivated. So I don't know. Once I was actually like in dungeons and stuff, I was having, you know, fairly good time with it. But all of the in-between stuff was just a drag and weighed down the whole experience for me. Yeah, I mean, they're probably fair criticism. I don't know if you knew this, but they actually threw together Spirit Tracks, I think, in the 12 months following the release of Phantom Hourglass. Does half not of that surprise time me. was spent just I making the trains work. Honestly. I mean, my problem with Phantom Hourglass, just to completely derail what you've been, is that I found the ocean segments to be a bit too non-linear for me. I just felt like I was sort of um, trying to empty out a boat with a spoon, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, I, and that's actually quite an apt analogy, thinking about it now. But 
I, I felt like I was covering too much ground looking for too few things. And I, what I liked about the track mechanic is that it very much narrowed your focus. But, you know, that's a matter of taste, and I'll let you have the stage again. Yeah, I... I well, how did, how did you feel about Wind Waker, then? Haven't played it yet. Oh, my God! Well, I know. That I needs know. to change. Don't I know it. Well, I'll have to pick up one of those newfangled Wii U's and play the remaster. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It, it is. It looks phenomenal. Um, I did borrow my friend's copy, but I never got around to playing it. I ended up giving it back. Don't give me that look. <laughs> but yeah, going back to Spirit Tracks, um, like another thing is that I mean, did did people react well to the touch mechanics in Phantom Hourglass? I don't think they did. I didn't. I didn't mind. I think it with Phantom Hourglass, it was overshadowed by stupid bloody dungeon that you had to go through the bottom levels of six times or more. Well, and then they did that again in well, Spirit they Tracks. Really. You spent 30 seconds going up a flight of stairs. <laughs> But, like, I don't know. I I guess you're right that you don't have to, like, repeat the same, like, floors over again like you do in Phantom yeah. Hourglass. But it mm-hmm. is still just... It is annoying to have to go back to the same dungeon six times, even if it is a different area. Like, the mechanics are still the same across all of those different areas. I mean, they're different guardians or whatever they're called. But... I mean, even them are, they're all controlled the same way. And I don't know, just the aesthetics, the mechanics, they're all so similar that it feels like you're playing the same thing six times over. Well, I, that's not how I felt, but then matter of taste, isn't it? (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll let you have that one. All right. Um, really that's all I've been playing recently. Um, so I'll just throw out that that took me 16 hours, 24 minutes, and 3 seconds. That's quite fast, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it looks like most of the times for it are around 18 hours just doing the main story. Um, But, like, it was getting to the point near the end where I was kind of getting tired of playing it, so I rushed through most of the end bits. Right, whereas I did a lot of the side quests, and it took me nearly 26, just looking back. I, I, like I said, I quite enjoyed the game. I spent a lot of time in it. But Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't regret playing it. I just don't want to play it again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. All right, who's next? Did you have time to think about what you've been playing, or uh, do you still need to take a break? Oh, I know what I've been playing, but I had the interview. I spent all the time chatting. I feel like you deserve a moment in the sun. Um, I reloaded a whole bunch. I backtracked a whole bunch in Fallout so I could get it playable again. <laughs> Fixed it. Um... So it is playable, and I'm very far in it. It's just weird stuff is happening. Like, um, my companion is Dogmeat. 
but Dogmeat went missing. And you would think that he would be at the, the shelter waiting for you, like the vault, because it's where he normally goes. Mm-hmm. No, he was in, like, a stasis chamber. Uh, uh, I found him in another vault entirely, inside of a stasis chamber, glitched to the wall, and then, like, when I talked to him and I'm like, Dogmeat, follow me, he, like, glitched back through it and, like, it was fine again, but it was, like... This sounds like the beginning of a creepypasta. Oh, yeah. Well, no, but... It's not like it's actually, like... It's just weird instances that are just kind of happening, and it's like, okay, no big deal. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, the big one of no, um, there were a couple times where I was fighting Myra Alert Kings, where it's, um, the physics for it, like, when it would, like, they would, like, be launched up into the air and, like, hit the ceiling and then die and then be <laughs> launched back down. <laughs> it was really weird. So yeah. some of the physics are a little bit wonky now. Um, you know how you get the, the Lone Wanderer and he, um, it's a one-shot kill? Yeah. Um, one time he, I was in the water with my alert kings, he spawned underwater, um, and because he was underwater, he couldn't kill anybody, so he was just kind of stuck there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he just stayed there, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> Standard. So, but it's still playable, I guess. I mean, under a certain definition of playable, I, I suppose. Um, and this week, uh, unfortunately, my graphics card got replaced. So, well, not unfortunately, but it was expensive. So, um, it's a rite of passage whenever I get a new computer part that I always, um, like, it's tradition. I, I go and I go to Origin and I get, like, EA games and then I break them for fun to, to, (laughs) you know, christen my new computer parts. So I've been playing a lot of Sims 4. And I have, I think, 170 gigabytes of, like, mods. CC. Yeah, it, it doesn't run the best, but <laughs> it runs, and I, uh, I've i been having a lot of fun breaking stuff. Imagine my shock. Mods that mount more than the size of the actual game don't play <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, the game is, like, 40 gigabytes, and then I have 170 gigabytes of, like, custom content and script-changing um, mods. And I have them all merged into 17 packages. Well, different strokes for different fakes. Uh, it's a lot more fun than the base game of whatever EA, like, pooped out that day. <laughs> I can't complain about Sims 4. I got it for free from a friend. Um, I think it was a Black Friday deal that I got it for. And I just, um, you know, it's not the greatest game. But once you mob the hell out of it, and who knows anymore? <laughs> I think that's really all I've been... I I needed to take a break from Bayonetta. Oh no, I've been playing Final Fantasy XV, so I took a break from Bayonetta, not because um the game wasn't good, but because I had to get my graphics card situation all sorted out. Um, So now that that's sorted out, I've been playing Final Fantasy XV, and it, um, it runs. I, I'm running everything in the highest settings, so it's okay, but it, I don't think it's highly optimized for um, everything. There's still a little bit of shutter here and there, and I have a 1060, I think, so it's mm-hmm. it's it's alright. But it could be running better. More importantly, is the game any good? 
Okay, yeah, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> it's hey. a good game. It's, it's not the how long to get your PC running part. Well, no, I'm just saying that for anybody who would be willing to buy the game, just know that it doesn't run as... For mid-grade computers, it doesn't run as good as I would want it to run. So I'm just warning people before they spend their money. Right, but then if they want to know whether or not the money they're spending is going to be on a good game or not... Well, yeah, obviously the game is going to be good if my one point of contention is that it doesn't run the best. (laughs) It's a right. good game. I'm just looking out for you, members of the audience. That's all I'm doing. Well, it's it's more. It's not really like a Final Fantasy game. It's more like an open world game. Even though it's not open world, and you can't actually drive the car. You can't drive the car. You can freaking drive the car. It's the, you can drive the car. It's but fine. I thought you, you have to stay on the road, and you can't like. Oh no! Yeah, you do have to stay on the road. But yeah, you can well, break it to get point. off. So you may as well be on a train, really. <laughs> no, but the thing is, you can fly with the car, and the, the, when you're flying, the car can go anywhere. Oh god, I watched a donkey video of that actually. <laughs> you just crash. And... <laughs> yeah, can you can you so fly easy. the train in spirit tracks, Rick? I swear there is a bit where the train sort of. I, I just played it, man. No, <laughs> you know better than me. I did not fly that train. Oh, man. There's a flying evil train, which is annoying, but... Do you know what? That counts. But you no, don't fly it! <laughs> anyway, yeah. anything else to add, Toast? No, I, I think I'm good. Uh, Ninja Rick spoiled all of my fun, so I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't spoil your fun. Clearly you, you did. that many gigabytes of installs. <laughs> so... I've been playing University Deadline Simulator 2018, and it is not a fun game. It, it doesn't is. really good like though. It. No, I've I never mean, heard of this, but just the wrong. name. It's realistic, but nah. I want to retire it, but I don't know why. There's something stopping me. It's weird. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, what you do is you're given these assignments. And you've got loads of time to do them. And you say to yourself, right, I'm going to schedule these assignments in. I'm going to do a little bit each day. And it's just going to fly by. It's going to be great. And then, boom, it's March. You haven't. You, wait, you're and just describing real life. Pardon? You're just describing real life right now. That's weird, that. Because that, that would never be me in real life. But in the simulator, that's how I've been playing it. <laughs> You know, it, it sounds like real life. It is almost like that. But I'd never do that. Unless I did, but I didn't at all. Look at that. So there's actual games, and this isn't much more than the pretend, but not really, but maybe, simulator. I played a browser game, Drop a Beat Giuseppe. <laughs> what? What? Right, okay. So, this is the elevator pitch. You are a terrible pianist. And the computer keyboard is your piano. So you hit keys on the right-hand side of the keyboard. You hit keys on the left-hand side of the keyboard to move left. And you use the space bar to flip up the lid of your baby grand piano. And you have to avoid all of the stuff that's being thrown by the crowd who hates your music. Mm-hmm. It's a stupid little game. Obviously, it's free. Before Flash dies a slow and painful death, it's having a look at. I don't think you get the right to criticize my games anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't pay for my game. 
<laughs> you paid with your time and your attention. <laughs> it's true. I didn't pay for it. It's free, and it's free for everyone at home if they want five minutes of fun. Man, we're gonna we're gonna have to have a discussion topic someday just about browser games because there are oh, some there's stupid some ones out ones. there. There are quite a lot that have turned into full fledged games as well. Like uh, when we were talking about games that we're looking to this year, the last night, which I mentioned, turns out you can play that in your browser. It was a game jam video game that they made, and then a publisher said, "We really love it. Can you make an actual game out of it?" And I haven't played the browser version. I don't want to ruin the full one when it comes out because it looks phenomenal, but that is there. And there, there are so many good ideas. Not, mm, I suppose you have to do a bit of digging to find them. That's the only thing. So, yeah, I played that. Uh, I've been playing this pretend but not really but maybe simulate the game. The last one I've played, and this isn't any more normal, to be fair, is called Lichtsphere, and it is on the Vita. You might have seen it. I think it's also on Android and iOS, but I've been... And it is essentially Angry Birds meets Nordic folklore meets German stereotypes. <laughs> so you are this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, and you are given the power of Das Lichtspear. And it's literally you just throw spears of light, and you've got to work through waves of enemies... It's one of them touches you and you die. And you're aiming to get headshots, high scores. You get a couple of powers thrown in. It was like £2 on sale on PSN. It's good, cheap fun. It's another one where it's nice just to play in between reviews or something. You're gearing up, Toast. What were you going to say? I'm not going to say what? anything. I have no uh, words for you. I'm not going <laughs> to... It's silent judgment. It's only episode three. I... Oh, I'll tell you what else I've been playing. Actually, this is a weird one as well. <laughs> I've just had a weird Fortnite for games. It's called El Shaddai. If anyone remembers it, oh, it came yeah. on PS3. Weird. Not mechanically. It's probably the most mechanically sane game I've played. It's, it's basically a, a stripped-back God of War clone. But it's really stripped back. We're talking one attack button, one jump button, a guard button, and a contextual button to the story. And that's it. I mean, I'm only half an hour, an hour in. It's beautifully put together. Oh, yeah, it's a gorgeous game. Yeah, and I think it's based on kind of Old Testament stories and mythology it seems like it's going to be really interesting yeah it's based off the uh book of enoch which i don't believe i don't believe it's actually one of the official canon books of the old testament but i think it's in the uh apocrypha which probably doesn't mean anything to either of you but it is cool because uh there's like a lot of detail in it, uh, just from the way it's designed and the way that the characters are interact with each other and stuff. Um, okay. It takes so place I... pre-fall oh, of Lucifer. Yes. And that's... Am I right in thinking that that's the, the poorly disguised person with a name that's similar to Lucifer? Yes. <laughs> right, okay. So there's no twist there. I'm assuming you've beaten the game. 
Yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago, but yeah. Does the combat get any more interesting? Like, I'm enjoying it, but I can see myself getting very bored. As far as I remember, I don't think it really expands much. Hmm. But, I mean, just what I remember is just, like, the traversal of the environments and stuff. That's what sticks out the most in my memory. Well, it it is very similar to my time with Xenoblade in that respect, where you, you know, you come around a corner and there's this vast landscape out ahead of you. And I suppose it's evidence, especially with the, the simplistic art style of that and the, the limitations that Xenoblade worked with, the art direction really can trump pure graphical oomph because both of those games are gorgeous and neither of them particularly push any technical boundaries. But if if you say the combat doesn't get much better, I suspect that might be uh, like Rocket League and a few other somewhat mindless games. I put a podcast on in the background while I play it. You could put our podcast on in the background. Wow, I uh, I'm not quite vain enough to do that. I don't think. I'm just saying you could. You could, and the audience at home, if you're still listening at this point, maybe maybe you are mad enough to to listen to us ramble on while you're playing a video game that people put their sweat and tears into. Um, <laughs> I listen to some silly podcasts, so I shouldn't really be this snarky about it. But I think we're doing a good job. I think we're worth a listen. Hey, yeah. That's I think we're good value for money. Sorry? <laughs> oh, conceited. Conceited. <laughs> how dare you say we're good? What do you mean, how dare I say we're good? Yeah, no, I think she's actually got a point. Let's just, uh, let's just talk about how bad we are for the Sit next 20 minutes. Be humble. <laughs> well, humility and modesty are two of my seven best qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, anything else you wanted to add, Rick, about what you've currently I've got to think playing? of something. We can't also, close out why, why are you in darkness? Ah, you guys can't see this because, because you don't have video, obviously, but... Rick and neither just, does Kerr, just FYI. Rick just entered an abyss. A hellish abyss. I'm a little bit mistrustful, so I have a sticker that I normally put over my webcam. And while I was talking, I noticed absentmindedly, oh, the stick is not where it should be, and put it back. <laughs> so there is your answer to a question that almost nobody was thinking. Do people really <laughs> cover up their webcams? Oh, yeah. Lots of people yeah. do. I've debated covering up the uh, the audio ports when I'm not using them as well. There's two um, microphone little kind of pinholes either side of the webcam. Man, I don't even care if they want to, if people want to like spy on me. I don't think I care at this point. Well, the way I see it, if Mark Zuckerberg thinks it's a smart idea to do, and he has been seen doing it with his laptops. But you know, I mean, that's ultimately, the guy that knows what they're doing with that information. Whether or not they have your video or your audio, they have the most damning thing of all, which is your browsing history. Well, speak for yourself. Speaking. <laughs> Oh, I don't care about my browsing history at all. I, I don't even go in, like, incognito meet I think it's pointless. It's, it's don't do anything sketchy and, like, <laughs> well, actually do things sketchy and be proud of it. I remember when they first marketed that as you need to buy a present for your wife and you don't want to. 
it's like, there's no way they believe that that's what it was for. It just isn't. I don't do sketchy things uh, to, when I use like incognito mode. I just that's use it like. I just use it like if I want to know the definition to a word that I really ought to know being a 23 year old male and like I don't want it to be like if somebody borrows my laptop and they like type it into the search bar and it's like what is the definition of the word antipasta or something and man y'all care too much I love that it's like I don't want the people at the NSA to think too little of me I don't want them to think I'm stupid. I'm I'd much rather... I mean, citizen of America. <laughs> I'd much rather have them think I'm, like, this evil genius conspiring to, like, throw well, America on ginger. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> Supposedly, I don't have a soul. You can put the claws away now, Taste. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but so... I think I'm bad, and then every fortnight... There's a throat that's gone for at some point. <laughs> in the Speak for yourselves. Well, I think I am delicate and even-handed and poised with what little criticism I bring to the. And I'm sure everyone <laughs> agrees. I'm pretty sure I'm like half monster. <laughs> well, what something, did you call yourself bad. before? A trash gremlin? No, a hobgoblin. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd describe myself more as like, like a, a, a lish or something. A what now? Like a, a lish or lich or something. Y- yeah, it's a lich. Isn't it light? No, it's lich. Is it lich? Yeah. As the person who plays D&D, it's lich. <laughs> as the person who invented the language, it's light. As the person who took uh, four years of the language that created the language that is your language, it would be language, lish in language, that. Language. I think we can all agree that I'm right. <laughs> and with and that, and with <laughs> that, with all of us recognizing, of course, that Rick is right. We will go ahead and move on to the questions from the forums. Um, I'll go ahead and start because mine is apropos to the three of us. This comes from the site's creator, Everdread, who's a real great guy, and you should tell him thank you every single day. Uh, The question he asked is, how did the three of you meet, meaning us, and how did you know each other before how long to beat? Uh, and as a qualifying question, ask basically how did the cast come about? So I'll kind of jump in with my answer to this because I mean, I basically created the podcast. Um, I had like never really spoken to either of you at length before the podcast started. I haven't really spoken at length with many people except like within individual threads on the forums and stuff. Um, I think, Rick. I don't know if we ever exchanged messages before the podcast, uh, but I was I was looking through my messages and toast. I think, like last year or something. I think I messaged you because you were you doing were a giveaway. Pop. Yeah, yeah, Honey Pop. And I was just like, okay, this freak. Yeah. <laughs> so she was you doing a what? giveaway of certain games that, like, I guess you didn't need or had extras of. I already had them, yeah. Yeah, and one of them was Honey Pop, and, like, I had heard about it, 
and I was curious about it, so I sent a message asking uh, if I could get the key for that one. And here we are years later, and she thinks I'm a gross pervert because of that. Well, not uh, only... Comment. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. I mean, like, no, because you probably didn't uncensor it. <laughs> and I totally did. I didn't so even know that. probably worse than you. <laughs> I didn't even know that it was censored. Yeah, it's totally censored. Yeah, there's no naughty bits. And there's you can just download a free patch and get the naughty bits. Well, well, well. Or you can play the incredible puzzle game that is... And you can forget about all the animated. And, yeah, the gameplay is honestly awesome. But that's not the question I'm here to answer. The question is... (laughs) The question is how the cast came about, which is basically... um, I mean, I just put up, like a concept pitch on the uh, forums about the podcast just to see if there was interest for it um, and got like a handful of people saying that they wanted to uh, try out to be hosts. So there was like a whole tryout process um, where a bunch of people put their names in the hat for it. And we did like interviews and we did like test podcasts basically uh, where I had like groups of people to test like different dynamics and stuff um, and I think the three of us just kind of had the best rapport, not to say that the others, you know, didn't do a great job, which they did. Um, but I mean, I, I felt good with the three of us and how we interact with each other. So yeah, that's my answer to the question. I don't know if you guys ever talked to each other before the podcast booted up. No, uh, no. not beside, not beyond, like you say, original forum threads and then just jumping in to those um, conversations. And I did just have a look and actually the first message I sent to you, Kirk, was I'm interested in being on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This really sort of is you, the members of the audience, kind of looking into the start of what I'm sure will be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Until we eventually murder each other. Pardon? Until we eventually murder each other for our differing yeah, opinions. Yeah, well, that I, I'm apparently really mean and all that, so I don't. I'm, I guess that it's. But it'll be soon. <laughs> you both ruined the most wholesome thing I have said and ever will. So, just <laughs> let the record show that. <laughs> I'm a good person. I hope you guys know. We are all good people here. There's your wholesome message. But you know, the first, I think actually the first message I ever sent to you, well, it was in response to a forum post, but like a few years ago, we were talking about the saddest moments in gaming and you mentioned Chibi Robo. Oh. I was like, holy crap, this dude gets it. And it was about Giga Robo. Giga Yes, this is the, this is that. Yes, this is the saddest moment. Oh man, that, yeah, that whole flashback part is just tragic and people don't know about chibi robo either they just know about its stupid like sequels yeah and that that is a wrong that needs to be righted yeah and i I love that game because i got that game for learning my times table and i love that (laughs) game and then promptly forgetting them i still don't know them like what's your best times table follow-up question how far can you go like, like three times something. Like, 
I don't know. I, I don't do math very well. I mean, there's math and there's your four times table. I Addition gets me sometimes. Really? Yeah. God damn, you weren't kidding. You don't like math. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, we have in America, like, the ACT, and it was um, 32 is, like, a perfect score on something, and I got okay. a 31 in English, and then a 16 in math. So, <laughs> um, hmm. It ended up being, like, a 26 for my, like, my total score, and it was all because my math was so low. Dang. Man. Man, that just reminds me, like, I had to take the GRE test uh, before I was, like, applying to grad schools. And, like, I had a similar thing where, I mean, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I remember all of the math I did in high school. That was only six years ago. And then I sat down to take it, and I got, like, almost perfect scores on my writing and on my uh, English. And then math came back, and it was, like... It literally said, you did a poopy job on my score results. Quoted. It's like insta-brain aneurysm when I have to, to do math. It, like, <laughs> physically hurts. And it's like the, the panic and the pain is there. That's pretty brutal. I mean, I, I like the concepts and the theories of math, but, like, I, I don't have the capacity to actually do it most of the time. It, it's a weird it's like my head throbs and i feel like crying and i just like the the words don't come out and I, like people are like this is addition do the thing and it's like i can't do the thing dang that's yeah. rough no i mean i don't want to be rude about it, especially when you both said like how much math but i don't mind math maths what i hated was when we got to, I suppose for you, what is college level, but for us it's it's sixth form. So it's like 16 to 18. Uh, I did maths at that stage, and we did a load of um, logarithms and statistics and nasty maths, which I didn't enjoy. But the basics of adding, subtracting, all of that, I've never had an issue with that. Well, aren't you special? Uh, well, I mean, that's what all my teachers said. <laughs> <laughs> all my friends like are all my friends are in programming degrees, so they obviously they know statistics and math really well. So it doesn't really bother me. I just have them do my math. I actually like it because I have somebody to direct to, like, hey, what's this plus this? And they're all dyslexic, so it's perfect. I'm, I feel so special. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that sentence, but maybe maybe you should just go for your question instead. Yeah, since we've deviated so far off topic, let's move on oh, to the next yeah. one. Uh, or is it going to be a you, or are you are you going to pull in a Rick? Uh, wait, what? Is he? Is he? Gonna I think pull she's saying, a... "Am I going first, or?" Oh well, I answered my question. Yeah, I know. How about you go next, Rick? Go on, I'll catch it. So my question comes courtesy of Clumsy Penguin, and that is, what is a game you love from a genre that you're not typically a fan of? And for me, the one that jumps straight to my mind is Final Fantasy XII Revenant Wings for the Nintendo DS, which is a real-time strategy game. And normally, I can't stand real-time strategy games. So what I like about turn-based is that, as Kurf was saying, you sort of 
can see everything, assess your options, and then pick the best path you think forward and go from there. With real times, I think you can get lost in the details and then you miss something that's going on on the other side of the map. It's just a pain in the bum. But Revenant Wings had a story that kept me interested. It was streamlined enough that I didn't get too overwhelmed. That might partly be also because of the limitations of the console. But also, I loved just doing it with the stylus and having the map on the on the thumb pad, on the D-pad. On the thumb pad? Where have I, where have I got the thumb pad from? On the D-pad. So I quite liked having all of that right there and just doing it that way rather than fiddling about with a mouse. And then, well, so I'm, I've tried Age of Empires and a couple of other I've never read them on PC, but... I enjoyed that game. I think it, it did take me a couple of breaks in between playing it, so leaving it for a couple of months and coming back to it. But I did really enjoy it, and I did end up, I don't think 100%ing it, but not far off, beating the story and doing just about everything else that came with it. So that's me. All right, Toast. What do you got? Um, I don't like shooters but I love Bioshock, so I guess okay. I'll go with that one. It's like my t- one of my top favorite series. Hmm. So I guess I'll go with System Shock and like Bioshock. And so I don't really have much to say about them, though, because everything good about them has already really been said. Yeah, yeah. those games wow. have been picked apart uh, just in terms Pending. of like analysis and stuff. Pending the remake of the first one, which is coming. Is it really? Or is it the second one? I think they I think they remastered one and they're remaking it. And then they're okay. going to remake the second one after, I think. Cause they, they remastered them are like already and I think it was free for everybody who was already had the games. Are they gonna be like remaking it from the ground up? Yes, they are. So the remaster was mainly quality of life stuff if I remember rightly. So it included one of the patches that they'd done to include mouse look. Um, it included some other things that modders had done, and it just neatened up some of the, um, by today's standards, rougher edges. Whereas the remaster is they're rebuilding the entire map polygonally, and they're they're doing everything from scratch. I thought they were remaking System Shock. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, and yeah. I think they're planning to come to number two. So it was a Kickstarter for it. Okay, dokie. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be pilloried in the comments done, and corrected if personally. I'm Pardon? I don't really think it needs to be done. For Bioshock well, or for System yeah, Shock? Yeah, for Bioshock. For System Shock, yeah, it needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, I agree well, with Bioshock's that. Bioshock's been upraised now. Bioshock, hasn't it? I don't think it's so important right now. No. If they I had, mean, wait, if they waited like ten years, yeah. Yeah, well, Bioshock—they've only just re HD'd it up. I think they they did all the textures and just re-released it. Yeah, but I don't think it's aged so poorly that it needs to be. I, I don't like it when people jump the gun, and before it's gone, it, before it's aged like milk, then they remake it. I I think right. that they should wait till because uh, it'll turn out like Shadow of the Colossus, where they're just remaking it like every few years, and it's just <laughs> adult maybe. Yeah, well, I think the PS4 for Shadow of the Colossus, the PS4 remake would have made more sense if it weren't for the HD remaster on PS3. Well. Yeah. I would say that the HD remaster is what didn't make sense. I think that the PS4 remake 
I don't know if I mentioned that I did finish it. I think that that earned its pay. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I agree saying. Oh, oh, I guess I mixed it up backwards. Yeah, it's it's a shame because I do have the HD remaster on the PS3 when I get round to it, but I don't own a PS4, so I don't know. Hopefully, it'll still hold up when I come to it eventually. But yeah, I the thing with the Bioshock is they just want money. It's a way to make money without much effort. That's bottom line. I don't really think that there's anything that needs to be said, said about it because anybody who hasn't played it, it, it I, it's not one of those series where it's like, yeah, but you know of it. It's not something that you would never not know of. When you mm-hmm. go into the gaming scene, it, Bioshock's one of those where it's like, it's not really much that needs to be said. It's just great. Yeah, I suppose you could say it's seminal by now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like iconic as well. Like nobody doesn't know what a big daddy is, even like Normie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on that note, what's your pick, Kirk? A game in a genre that you don't normally like that you loved? Alright, um... This is hard for me because... Uh, I like most genres, and the ones that I don't like, I just adamantly refuse to play anything in them. <clears throat> um, But... Can I give two answers for this one? I'm a little scared. All right. So the first one I'll say is that I'm not really a big fan of walking simulators. Um, Amen. But I did really like Gone Home. Um, Ooh. And I don't know. I think it was it told such a simple story in such an indirect way, and you can really experience it at any pace that you like. Um, you can go to the rooms in any sort of order, do as much or as little there as you want to do. Uh, and how much you get out of it is directly proportional to how much you put into it. So for me, like I was just wandering around at first, but once I started to like uncover things and I started to care about the characters, then, uh, then like by, by the ending, and the revelations that come about, it, it really hit for me uh, in my emotion organs. Hmm. Did uh, you end up playing What Remains of Edith Finch? No, I need to, though. Okay, because I liked Gone Home until I played What Remains of Edith Finch, and then I was like, this is superior in every single way. Okay, that is... It is so good. That is a testimony and a half. I'll have to I, I really do up. like Gone Home. I, I thought it was going to be a horror game for some reason when I yeah. it wasn't. I was expecting the jump scare and it never came. But, <laughs> but um, What Remains of Edith Finch is so much better and I think it deserves the uh, the narrative awards that it received. Mm-hmm. Mm. Even though I I still, for like 50, I think it was $20 and it I think I finished it in two hours. I still go back and forth on like, I think it was worth the price and I'm like, I don't know. I think it was worth the price. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I don't remember if I actually bought that, but it's definitely been on my list of things to play. I uh, I haven't got around to playing it yet, but I did watch um, Super Bunny Hop. Did I think it was a half hour video, just dissecting the the section where you're in the factory chopping up the fish with one oh, part of the controller. Yeah, that was the moment that game. got me. Yeah, it, and 
I loved Brothers, so I'm all about kind of the split mechanic and making you do different things with different parts at the same time. I'm all for that, so it's it's on my list. Uh, uh, you said there's a second example, Kurt. Yeah, so the other one is just because I want to take any opportunity to talk about this game. The Firemen for the Super Nintendo? Uh, the Firemen? Yeah, so a lot of people don't know about this game, but it's like a, it's a top-down Super Nintendo shooter, and I'm not really into that genre very much. I mean, there are a few top-down shooters I like, like Hotline Miami, I guess. Um, but this one, you you play as this uh, chief of a fire department who has a great mustache, and you and your partner go into this building... Uh, that has had this horrible uh, explosion in, like, the generator room or something, and the whole building's on fire. And uh, so your goal is to go up the building floor by floor and save all of the people who have been trapped while spraying the fires out with different hoses that you have. And it is just... It is so much fun! Um, and I... <laughs> It doesn't really have any excuse to be as fun as it is, but there's just something about fun. there's just something about like the fires are literally just fires. They're not like enemies, they're not living, but they attack you. They come at you and try to kill you, and you have to put them out um but you also have to do like a little bit of tactical thinking because you have to move around the floors to find the people who are stranded. So you have to, like, recognize, like, okay, I can go get that person on the other side, like, really quickly if I go right now, but if I don't put out the fire that's right in front of me, then I know when I get back, it's just going to be bigger. So there's a lot of interesting gameplay to it, uh, and it is just, it's short, but it packs all the punch it needs to in that short amount of time, and I recommend it to every single person in the world. I'm watching a long play on YouTube while you're describing it and can confirm looks really, really fun. Although I have just seen the AI partner taking out fire with an ax. So yep. don't go in expecting realism. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks fun. I think I might actually give this a go. I'll probably get it downloaded onto my PlayStation Portable Go, which if I haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet, is my go-to portable emulator machine. Just because, again, it fits in my pocket. It's perfect for the bus. And it's a beautiful little system for SNES games particularly. Just because all the controls are there and you don't have to fiddle with the admittedly probably a bit too small analog stick on that thing. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it it's a great game. It's criminally underplayed. I believe there's a sequel that came out for the PlayStation, uh, but oh. I don't think it ever came over to the States. So I might have to... I feel like there's probably a game you could play without understanding any of the words that are being said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, no doubt. It's not exactly a highbrow BAFTA-winning game over here. No, it seems a bit B-movie-ish, especially with, like you say, the fire enemies that sort of chase after you there are fire bosses <laughs> i'm watching one now yeah <laughs> i think i think there's even like one boss that is literally like a, a robot that has caught fire and gone insane 
<laughs> so you just have to put out the robot. More and more cool. That's so perfect. It <laughs> anyway. looks a bit like, I don't know if you ever played it, uh, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like that. Which, I've played a bit of that game, I need to get back to it, but I enjoyed what I played immensely. So, yeah. So that Tentative. is my ultimate recommendation. In the interest of time, I think we'll go ahead and move on to the next question. Did everybody answer this one? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then mine was Pokey Paws. Uh, do you consider visual novels as, to be games? Um, well, then what do you think? And I'm gonna. This is gonna sound hypocritical based off of what I said earlier about hypocritical. Um, but go on. About why would anyone choose to make gameplay their deciding factor over a game? Um, but I'm of the mind that even though I said, you know, I wouldn't choose to play a game just off of gameplay, I'm of the mind that you can't really classify, you can't really be ex um, excluding games based off certain factors. So I think people who would say, you know, visual novels aren't games just because they're books, I think any level of interactivity, it's on your screen, if it's interactive, if it has gameplay, if it has story, it's a game. It, so visual novels are games. This is where you and me might differ. Now, my answer broadly is it depends. But by your logic there, you put a fighting fantasy PDF on your computer screen and read it that way. Is that then a game? Um, wait, what? So what you're saying is, and I, I think it's a fair argument you're making, is it's not enough to say, well, you could just do it in, a, in terms of, you're talking about a visual novel where you're only interacting pressing space to go to the next set of dialogue and yeah, then kinetic a novel is what it's called yeah yeah so like the fighting fantasy books if you've ever heard of those mm -mm. i haven't it's, but it might be a very well thing. um they very well in my eyes could be considered games my classifications aren't necessarily the same as other people i go with the um scott mcleod version of like anything that's not fulfilling a basic need is art and anything that's an interactive level of art is a game in my mind. Right. Okay. So would you so, would you count like choose your own adventure novels? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm I'm okay. not the same as other people though. Um yeah. I just like to include everything with art cuz I like art and I like stories. So I don't want to disclude anything from my I don't want to be one of those snobby people who's like, "No, it's not a, it's not a game." <laughs> He's pulling the mask face again, just FYI. <laughs> that's, that's the third one tonight. I mean, the, the thing is, in my mind, if it can be done in a book, it probably isn't a video game. And for me, the dividing line, if you consider the Zero Escape games. So, yes, it's a kinetic novel. Yes, it's mostly reading text and branching a path. But a lot of the storytelling is done in those escape room puzzles in the middle. Okay, That's well, 999 isn't a kinetic novel because it has choices. Kinetic novel is just no choices. Oh, I thought you meant with choices. So for context, no. when I mentioned the fighting fantasy books, they are literally, you read two pages, three pages of dialogue setting out the scene, and then it says, if you want to open the door on your left, go to page X. If you want to oh, open so like a choose-your-own-adventure. Okay, yeah, yeah, those would just be considered visual novels or branching visual novels. Kinetic novels offer no choices. They're essentially yeah. a story. Okay, and I, I think kinetic and branching 
novels are both by definition not games. I feel like if you're going to class it has to be something that is only possible because of the medium. So um, I count Hoony Pop because you've got the puzzle bits in the middle. I would count 999 because you've got the the escape room element to it. That doesn't mean I don't think there's value to visual novels, but I think visual novels should, it, should be its own classification separate to video game. I think uh, they're the greatest hmm. genre. Pardon? I think they're the greatest genre. I love visual wow, novels. Wow, that's a different question for a different podcast. Yeah, I know, but I still consider them games. <laughs> what do you think, Kev? I don't know. I mean, I think there are a lot of good points to be made, and I don't know exactly where I f- fall in it. I have a bit from that. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, like, eventually I think we're going to reach a point where there will be more of a distinction between, uh, between, like, kinetic novels and other forms of visual novels that do offer choice and, like, gameplay and stuff. Um, because, I mean, I think that eventually even the literary book writing landscape is going to eke more into visual novel territory. Um, What do you mean by that? I just think that hybridization is going to become a huge force in the artistic communities in the next couple of decades. So I think we're going to see a lot more books that are basically visual novels now. Things that were conceptualized as books that have become visual novels. You know, I was actually thinking about that. I could make a killing in the adult industry if I um if I advertised towards women and made like a visual novel choose your own adventure, but it was like Arrowgay. I could make mm-hmm. so much money. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I've thought There's about it. There's a huge market for it. Has that not been done already? I feel it like it has that... not been done and it could make so much money. So if somebody wants to like get on that with me, like, <laughs> that that would be great. Or in, instead of you, I mean, you've put the idea out for tender now. It's game over. Yeah, well, what, it's not like I was ever really going to do it. I don't have much motivation, so. But I mean, look at, I mean, if you look at the sales number, numbers, this is kind of going off topic, but like sales numbers for erotic novels, like on the Kindle store are through the roof. People right. make bank writing erotic novels for the Kindle store. And I think if you were to like be on the, you know, be one of the forerunners of, you know, introducing interactivity in that sort of thing, uh, because Kindle, of course, like you can do hyperlinks and stuff to redirect to different actually sort of like the, because I I did a lot of research on it at one point when I was like younger and I was like, oh no, I need to start making money. And And that was sort of how I made money for a while. Yeah, it's a totally valid way to do it. Um, but now bouncing away from the erotic side of things. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rick. I know how horny you are right now. And not bring it up, honestly. That's yeah, fun. very, <laughs> very true. Um, but yeah, I think that eventually that we'll probably see a distinction. Um. But I think that where we are right now, I think that anything that has any modicum of interactivity, I think there is value in just going ahead and labeling it as a game. Because, 
you know, in in the current landscape of where we are, that's how they're going to get recognition. Is if they label it as a game, people will pick it up as if it's a game, and they will recognize it for what it is under that umbrella. Eventually, I I think that they will gain their own merit on their own footing. Yeah, Kerf and I get it. <laughs> well, I, I, I think Kerf's sort of agreeing with me. I think he's saying that, that visual novels should be their own thing. Eventually. Yeah. That, that maybe they they it makes sense for them to start being considered as games because that's a way for them to gain a foothold. But really, they're something entirely separate from games. So I think I think what we're saying is we're all... You cut out. Yeah, you cut out. <laughs> what What was the last thing you heard me say? We're all... Nothing. We're all... Uh, right. How about that for suspense? So what were you going to say? Right. Oh, right. Oh. We're all right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, that was it's anticlimactic. It's weird because we're just starting to gain popularity now. It's like, I don't want to sound hipsterish, but I've been like... It's, it's, you know, since, like, Galaxy Angel came out. That, back that's before how, it was cool. Yeah, back before it was cool, like, 2004. 2000, yeah. So, I, I know my way around the, the scene. But I think it's kind of cool how they've been gaining popularity. But I think it's in the wrong way. Like, there's lots of, like, 12-year-olds. And it's it's kind of weird now. 12-year-olds making visual novels? Or as the what? subject of visual novels? Uh, making visual novels and reading content that they're not really, they shouldn't be reading. Oh, okay. Like Maggot Baits and, um, like... Maggot uh, Baits? It's really, like, there's a couple, um, very, like, risque, like, Euphoria is a really risque visual novel that people are reading, and I'm like, don't, no! Uh, Maggot Baits is just getting translation, and, like, 12-year-olds are like, eh! and it's like, no, this, no, don't. <laughs> God damn, the video games will make you violent. <laughs> a conversation still being had in 2018. Wow. Rather depressing. Well, it's it? not about violence. It's about explicit material that 12-year-olds shouldn't be looking at. And that is yeah. true. Um, but the argument's made exclusively about games and not films. I mean, the thing that um, that always tickled me... What was it? I think it was... Do you guys remember Blood Dragon, the Far Cry 3 spin-off? Yeah. And there's a there's a section in that I haven't got around to playing it yet. I do have it on UPlay, but there's a section in that where uh, the commentator sort of mentions all the hand-eye coordination things. There's no links to violence, which if you look at the data and the the studies that we have, there aren't, and lists off all these other scientific things, and then concludes basically anyone who thinks that violent video games make people a fucking idiot. <laughs> what a conclusion! That game's humor just seems on point. I watched a TED talk about it, and it was um, actually sometimes the more violent the video game, the the more it helps with PTSD. Yeah, I mean the the thing is, and I think Yahtzee made this point last week. Every spine that you rip out in a video game is stays in a real life human. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. There was one I read where it said, um, I think they'd compared aggression levels, which in and of itself scientifically is quite a weird one to quantify in players who played FIFA and players who played Call of Duty. And what they concluded, although they, they couldn't say it definitively, was that you could tell Call of Duty wasn't you really killing people. 
So it didn't actually get your aggression level all that much higher on average. Whereas FIFA, it's still technically a game of football. And so if you're given a yellow card where you think it was unfair or you're <laughs> a penalty, that did actually get people's aggression levels up quite high. That's actually hilarious. It's beautifully ironic. <laughs> it, uh, but I don't know. It's a weird one. All right. Well, that was a very interesting discussion. I think we hit some nice weird, ground weird there. Yeah. 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 Hey, I mean... We went from Fire Emblem to FIFA and violence. And... Indeed, we did. All right, yeah. Toast. I've got to ask. There is something insane going on on that TV behind you, and it looks okay. cool. Um, that's uh, Gingivus, and he's he's been watching Game Grumps play uh, Majora's Mask. Oh, nice. Uh, he had a lot of tech tips on earlier as well. Yeah, and then he was watching. Uh, Linus Tech Tips, yeah. And then I think now he's just watching Hexepticeye, which I don't really like too much, but he does, so he's watching it. Alright. Well, it looked riveting, and I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, yeah you look he... delightful. What's your problem with Jacksepticeye? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I really... There's something about watching people play video games. I don't really get much enjoyment from it. Because I feel like it ruins the story for me. Be careful no i know but they're not watching us play video games oh my gosh they're watching like they're listening to us talk about video games which is different because we're not spoiling the story and it's not like i have a problem with the dude it's just he plays games of story and then i'm like well now i don't want to buy the game and i want to spend my money on the game and i want to play the game you're way too easy to wonder <laughs> oh man well, excuse you, you're just like, you're a mean person. Here's all these things that are wrong with you, and hey, we're doing this thing. <laughs> Why? I didn't say any of those things. You're putting words in. This is <laughs> my good name and character. Oh, I can't wait until the day we just have an episode to air grievances. We should have a community feedback and gripes episode. Maybe a give us a few more. <laughs> So we can build some up. They would all roast me. <laughs> you roast Sadly. yourself. You call yourself a trash fire. You've already set the light in motion. Because if you insult yourself, no one else can. I <laughs> like... plan to disprove that in great detail. No, no, I, I back that up. Yeah, you just gotta, you gotta like stab yourself a little bit and like let yourself bleed out because then nobody can stab you any more than that because you're already bleeding. Sharp yeah. spell gloves. That's my response. And when all of the middle school kids say, hey, Ginger, you don't have a soul, you say, yeah, you're right, I don't. I'm the devil. And then you cry in the bathroom for 30 minutes. Damn, that got real. <laughs> I don't really identify with that one. I don't think I can really, like, I don't know. I think that maybe Ginger's coming or something. <laughs> Does it actually get to you when people insult you? Um, From time to time, it does. Um, like, I honestly don't like when people call me Ginger, except when it's my friends. They kind of get a free pass. Um, when other people do it, I'm just like, really? Like, that's, that's, that's where we're going? Okay, this is a conversation that adults have. Um, 
But yeah, the soul thing really annoyed me for a long time, and still kind of does. But yeah, I recognize that I have it much better than many other groups of people, so I don't worry about it too much. Yeah, it's not like an explicitive yet. So. Yeah. Oh, what now? Explicitive. It's like a, uh, a derogatory word. It's like a swear word. Right, okay. I mean, it... Or maybe yeah, it's pronounced I... expletive. I'm, I don't know. It's expletive. That's the one you're looking for, expletive. Sorry, we pronounce everything here weird in the Midwest. Like, we do both. <laughs> and... Well, this pronouncing it wrong, and then there's throwing a few extra letters in the middle of the word. <laughs> like, we, um, we, we have weird pronunciations for things. Like, and we add letters to things because we can. Well, you can do it, but it's still wrong. <laughs> well, you would know all about pronouncing things wrong, wouldn't you? Oh! Would I? I mean, where's the evidence for that? Uh, I mean... Well, I mean, you just said expletive. It's expletive. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not explicitive. I think we can agree on that. Okay. Well, I didn't mean it was this. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you add extra U's and stuff to all your words. I beg your pardon? Color. Yeah, color oh, and, um... No, you're just lazy and remove them. Because they don't, they're not pronounced, so why would you have them? We are efficient. Yeah. Wow. Our time is money. Do you guys do you guys spell maneuver with like O E U V R E? Um yeah. And that's terrible. It's something etymological. I wouldn't I couldn't speak as to the word maneuver, but yeah. <laughs> I thought that that's I'd... the way we spell it here too. No, uh, we spell it M A N E U V E R. Oh yeah, we do. Sorry. Yeah. That's just wrong. Uh, no. Uh, O-E-U-V-R-E is like, do you see how many thing, vowels are in that? The thing that really annoys me, and this, this probably is a British thing, is you silly people across the pond, in words like materializes and words like that where there's S-E-S, you put Z's in. And there are some words where they started with Z's in. But we make the mistake because we think you just screwed them up. We put an S in there, but it shouldn't be in there. Just mess the whole system up. Zez in? What's a Zed. Zez in? Zed. We say Z, but they say yeah, Zed. Say Z. No! Zed. Tell me you never. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you I ever. Oh, no. No, it's just a Z here. It's not a Zed. It's, we have Zs. <laughs> Zed is a League of Legends champion. It's not a letter. <laughs> Zed is a Power Rangers villain. Orange is a fruit, also... it's not a color. What's your point? <laughs> no, it's a League of Legends champion. It's not a letter. It's fine. It's just, this is... No. <laughs> you need to get with the times, old man. Where hey, we no, the... I think you're older than me. Where we... <laughs> Am I really? I think you are, yeah, I'm 22. Oh, dang, I'm I am... 21. Ooh, I am the old boy. That's why wow. you're the leader. What, did, did you think it was because you started the podcast? No, it's based on age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm decrepit over here. 
Wow. Need to get me some prune juice. Oh my god, start saving up for the Botox. <laughs> okay, so with that... Oh, we're not finishing on that, are we? Well, <laughs> what would you like to finish on? Because I think we answered all our questions. Something a little more upbeat. Okay. Um... <laughs> I saw a lot of dogs in New York, and that made me very happy. That's upbeat for you. Well, on this note of clear camaraderie and friendship that we have between the three of us... I think we will end <laughs> as Toast flicks us off. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, as always, uh, please, if you uh, have any thoughts about the episode, leave some comments in the forums. If you have any questions you want us to answer, put them into the questions thread on the website. And have a beautiful two weeks until we record next time. Bye. Bye.